welcome back, my Faith We Led tribe. This is your host, Sean Romero. How are you doing today? This is, again, another episode of Faith We Led. I really appreciate you guys. And again, I have another wonderful, wonderful guest, an outstanding guest. He was just on our Good Friends podcast. We'll go ahead and talk about that in a second. But before we get into it, go ahead and like and subscribe to the show, especially if you're on iTunes. It really does help out the ministry. It gets the word out because you just never know who needs to hear this word. Or also, you don't, need, you don't know who needs to hear this story. is going to help them out in their lives and bless them. That's the way we do. So today we have Eric Allen on the show. He's got two awesome top-rated podcasts. One is Top-Rated MMA and Bearded Biz Show Podcast. This man has an incredible, incredible story. It's an absolutely I mean, it's amazing. I saw, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to put the, the YouTube link in there that tells about his story, tells about his background. Go ahead and give it a like and check it out. So without further ado, my man, Eric Allen, how you doing, brother? Welcome to the show. Man, I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate the uh, taking the time and allowing me on your show, man. It's awesome. Yeah, not a problem. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you coming on, man. It really means a lot to be able to tell your story and, and, and let everybody else know. So so while we're in that, why don't you go ahead and let the tribe know who you are and uh, introduce yourself and give us a little background. Yeah, Eric Allen. Uh, I'm the owner of uh, Top Rated MMA. That's a podcast out here in the Northwest. I'm based out in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and, and humbly been considered the number one MMA podcast in the Northwest. Just won an award for the top listened to podcast in 2019 from Fightbook MMA. And uh, also have the Beard of Biz show where I get to talk with entrepreneurs, world changers, and success-minded people. And I've been able to speak with guests from like Ed Milet all the way down to a 14-year-old kid in England making 30 grand a year on eBay. And so just uh, love doing the podcast thing, man. And it's been a fun, fun gig, man. That's awesome, man. So tell us a little bit about how you got into the podcast business. And, and you know, let's just talk about the MMA first because, you know, I'm a big MMA fan. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I studied martial arts, you know, when I was younger and stuff. So I, I love all that stuff. And I know you said you kind of dabbled a little bit, but, you know, you, you definitely, you're not a fighter and stuff like that, like myself. But so how did that all come about? What, what was that all about? And, and, and explain a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I grew up, but my dad was always a, a fan of, uh, you know, Bruce Lee and ninja movies. And so I watched a lot of those as a kid. I think I was a ninja for Halloween for like 16 years straight, <laughs> you know. And uh, but as a kid, I remember walking to like the VHS store and we would, me and my cousin, uh, out in a small town called Prosser, Washington, we would rent uh, VHS movies of uh, UFC 1, 2, and 3. And so I became a fan at a really early age and grew up watching wrestling, WWF, you know, Macho Man and yeah. Hulk Hogan, all that stuff. And so just kind of evolved, I think, as MMA became a, a, a really big sport. And so in 2012, my wife and I were sitting around going, how do we do something in the MMA industry? And so we came up with this idea of top rated MMA. It was actually my wife's name or idea for the name, but it was the time of tap out and MMA elite and all these other big companies are out there. So we said, how do we make ourselves different? And so we decided to be a 100% American made apparel company as an MMA apparel company. And then we reached out to hire heroes USA, which was actually started by Brian Stan from the USC at the time right. they had just started. We became official partners of theirs and we actually donate 25% of all of our profits to that organization. Wow. So we started out as a apparel company. That's what we did for the first five years. And then about 2016, 2015-ish, uh, I actually lost the excitement for the business. I actually put it for sale. I just kind of was like, I'm done. I'm not making any money. I just want to get rid of it. It's taking too much time. And then I, th I thought, nope, I'm not going to do it. In 2016, I said, we're going to relaunch this thing. And so brand new logo, brand new website, and then it took me about a year to kind of research how I wanted to do this. But in 2017, I launched the Top Radio MMA podcast. 
and I just wanted to ask fighters, why do they want to get in the cage and punch somebody? Why is it, why is the story, you know, what, what's their story? And so I launched almost my first hundred episodes from a walk-in closet because we didn't have space in the house. Wow. And it's turned into, like I said, humbly the number one MMA podcast in the Northwest now. Oh, that's outstanding, man. That's, that's incredible. And, you know, like a lot of podcasters, man, I mean, myself, when I even first got started, you know, I had a different name and, and I was kind of rebranding because when I got my certification with um, John Maxwell as a, as a leadership expert and stuff, nice. um, it was just, uh, you know, I, I started out and, you know, and then I was like, no, you know, it just wasn't what was my calling. It really wasn't, you know, what God really wanted for me. And, and I was kind of just forcing it didn't really feel right. So I ended up, you know, putting it to bed and then, after a couple of years, man, it just came right back in and I started relaunched, you know, under, uh, we called it Faithfully Led, rebranded it Faithfully Led. So, yeah. you know, I'm getting some like, you know, some real success here. So, you know, nice. now that we're here, you know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, your faith and, and your story because, and like I said, I'm going to put the, the, the link in the show notes so everybody can watch your story, how you tell it. But let's go ahead and divulge into that a little bit because your story really is very compelling. Uh, and where, you know, you're in the Northwest, you said you're out in like in Idaho, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's super cold out there. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. So, um, I'm not a yeah. big fan of the cold, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I used to vacation here as a kid. So it was kind of funny. I live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and I'm originally from uh, Tri-Cities, Washington, which is probably about two and a half hours from here. And uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up in this house, what I thought was a typical house, you know, my played little league, we went to Sunday school and, you know, my dad would take us behind like big stores and he would toss me and my buddy into the dumpster. We'd go like dumpster diving, you know, we just, that was like the fun adventures. And when I was 11 years old, I think I was in eighth grade at the time, uh, maybe at the end of my seventh grade year, my parents got a divorce. I wasn't really sure what happened there, but my mom got together immediately with a, a, another gentleman who was an alcoholic and he was very abusive. And so I watched my mom get beat up quite a bit in that 11, 12, 13 years of my age. And after my, about halfway through my eighth grade year, my mom and that boyfriend, they had a baby uh, boy who's my brother, he's 13 years younger than me. They said, hey, we're gonna move to Stevensville, Montana. So they moved us from Washington up to Stevensville and they rented this house that was three bedrooms. So my mom and her boyfriend had a room, my little brother who was like six months at the time, and then my sister, who's four years old, four years younger than me, excuse me. Wow. And so there's a room for me. So I said, Eric, we're going to put up this plastic tarp in the garage that has this fireplace, and that's going to be your room. And so during the winter, getting negative degrees, I'm out in the garage. Literally, the only heat that I have is the fireplace. And once that fire goes out, I had like 10 layers of blankets on. I was like freezing through most of the nights of the winter. And of course, the abuse never stopped. You know, it never, can, it never stopped at all. In fact, it, it got worse. And my mom never pressed charges, which really just irritated me quite a bit. And when I was 13 years old, I was about, it was about midnight and I was brushing my teeth and my sister was at a friend's house, I think. And I think my little brother was asleep and they came home arguing, my mom and her boyfriend, and it wasn't anything out of the normal. But as I'm brushing my teeth, I felt God, and I wasn't even saved at this time, but I really felt God say, dude, you got to turn around and look down this, down the hallway. And so if I look out of the bathroom and turn to my right, hit the dining room, kitchen, pantry, and then the garage door, which led to my bedroom. And as I look down the hallway there, he's on top of my mom and he's literally punching her like ground and pound, one after the other, boom, boom, wow. boom. And I thought, man, I got to do something to get this guy off my mom. And so the first thing that came to my mind was grab a frying pan. So I actually came into the kitchen and I grabbed one of those cast iron skillets, the heavy duty camping ones. 
and I just swung as hard as I could to the back of his head and I split his head open and it didn't knock him out. He turned around and he was like, what the, and as he was saying that I took another swing and split his forehead open. Still surprisingly, it didn't knock him out. I think he was just so drunk and he stood up and I kind of slipped when I took that second swing. And so I was laying on the ground and I remember standing over me yelling and my mom coming out of nowhere and she lands like six punches in a row to his face. Wow. Blood is splatting on the wall behind him. You know, the police finally showed up. He was taken to jail for the night and then was released the next day because, of course, my mom didn't press charges. And it was at that point where I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. I, I left Montana after my freshman year of high school to live with my dad back in Washington State. Wow. And I mean, you're, you're, so you're a teenager at this point, man. And, yeah. you know, it's, that, that had to be, like, really just – I mean, obviously, it's completely difficult. It's something that, I mean, I could never fathom something like that, you know. So so tell us, like, when you moved back with your dad, what was – did you have any feelings of animosity? Did you, like – you know, what was your direction at that time? Yeah, I was, I was lost. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I had, here I was going back to a high school in a town that I grew up in, but I hadn't seen most of those people in several years since I moved. And then all the new people from the other middle schools, right? And so I really was – starting fresh i knew a couple guys that i had kept in touch with right and my dad rented this house for me and him he would put 20 bucks in a cup that was my lunch money for the week and then he'd put hunger man meals in the freezer and cereal and, and milk in the house and that was basically how i lived he would go and stay with his girlfriend and there'd be times where i wouldn't see him for two three months at a time i would just go to school and i'd do my own thing and he would put the 20 bucks in the cup every week that was my lunch money and so my house became the party house you know i i became really open like to whatever I could get my hands on. I was smoking a lot of pot. I was dropping a lot of acid, eating mushrooms and uh, opium and hash, whatever I could get my hands on, you know, even to the point where I was so desperate. I didn't want to pay five bucks for a hit of acid. I'd go pay $2.50 for a bottle of Robitussin DM at the wow. store because I had morphine and I would hallucinate. And so we'd go chug those, you know, and I was 18 years old. I got arrested for having a bomb and I had to go to jail when I was still in high school. I had a black and white chain gang outfit on, you know, bright orange slippers, 140 pounds. And really that was, that was, you would think that would wake me up. It really didn't. It, I was on probation for a year, so I didn't smoke pot for a year, but I continued to drink heavily, yeah. barely graduated high school with a 2.8. And then a little bit after high school, actually two weeks after high school, I was kicked out because I didn't do the dishes at my dad's house. And then, uh, yeah, literally there was a note that said, you can't comply with house rules. So you have 48 hours to get out. And so I moved around a lot at that point between 18 and 21. I moved 21 times between uh, friends' houses or cousins of second cousins. And I ended up moving to Seattle to try to get in the music business. I don't know how to play anything, but I just was always intrigued by music. Mm -hmm. And I, after about a year of being there, I did finally get into the music business, but it, it became the rock star lifestyle without being a rock star. So I had open tab. I was going to two to three concerts a week, lots of backstage time. And uh, it was just kind of a crazy time, I think, in, in my, my life, my early 20s. I was 2021 20, at the time. And, and uh, man, yeah, it was just this rock star lifestyle for a while. So, like, you know, you're, you're doing, you're living this rock star lifestyle, man. So, you know, it, it's kind of filling a void, if you will, I guess, you know, at that point, you know, you just kind of, you know, hey, living life, man. You're doing what you got to do, man. You're feeling what you, hey, just whatever, man. You know, yeah. you do what you got to do. I mean, you know, we've all been there. I most certainly was there, been there and done that, you know. So, you know, what was that turning point? What was that point where it was like, all right, that aha moment where it just really turned your life around and you just, and you gave yourself to the Lord, man, and, and, and you started doing what you do? I think it started with a few things. When I was 21 years old, I was $28,000 in debt. 
and I filed bankruptcy at 21. And that was kind of a wake up call and really embarrassing for me at that moment and going, man, my car is getting repoed. I have to live in this really ghetto apartment. And I was working at Starbucks at night and I was doing the universal music thing during the day at times. And, and, um, I was sitting there working one night and this girl had come in and said, Hey, do you want to go to this college event that we have at our church? It's kind of just a cool outreach that we have. And I was this depressed guy. I didn't have any friends. I lived in my apartment. I drink beer till I passed out every night and, you know, watch movies and then go to bed and I didn't have any friends. And so I said, yeah, sure. I'll go. And so I went and there was all these small connections that I, people that I met that were from my hometown or they went to the same college I did. So it was this cool kind of connection. I think God in that moment was planting a seed in me without me even knowing it. And wow. so a couple months later, it was actually Easter. Uh, and the night before Easter, I was managing a band and we went out and played a concert the night before Easter and partied it up. And I woke up Easter morning in my buddy's house in Prosser, Washington. And I was surrounded by like 10, 12 guys, maybe 15, all passed out around me. And I, I remember waking up and looking around. And in that moment, I felt God say, you are done. And I quit right there, cold turkey, drinking drugs, cigarettes. I gave my life to Christ that morning in that basement. And then I called that girl up and I just got her voicemail, the one that invited me to that church event. And I said, hey, I just hope you had a, had a good Easter. Maybe we'll see at the store. Well, three months later, we were dating. A year later, we're married. And now in 2020, we've been married for wow. 15 years and we have two amazing kids. Wow, that's amazing, man. God, I mean, God bless you, man. That's, that's incredible, man. And so, like, what do you do? Like, you know, you're a dad, man, and your husband. You know, what is this, what are some of the you know, the the wisdom that you impart on your kids because you know i mean i've got kids i'm a father of four man i got a you know i got a teenager and i, I got another daughter who in another year is going to be a teenager wow. and uh you know it's just it's it's crazy you know and all the influences that are outside and you know that are just really just attacking the home mm -hmm. and you know that's what you know why faithfully led it was born because you know trying to transform the leadership in the christian community so yeah. you know what is some of the wisdom that you impart on your kids that out of the life lessons that you learned you know it's interesting because my wife and i we both came from very broken homes we both come from very just crazy childhoods and so we know exactly what not to do and so with our kids we want to be present we want to show them love and show them in encouragement and what that looks like and really show, uh, have experiences together as a family. So we go on a lot of trips. We'll, you know, go hikes, we'll play games, things like that. We don't watch a lot of TV because there's just a lot of negativity in TV. And we, we, you know, watch maybe a movie on Saturday and that's about it. We really listen to a lot of music in our house. And so I think just having that time with our kids and, and really showing them that we're present with them. And we're, my wife and I are really just, we're here to break the chains of divorce, break the chains of addictions and leave that legacy with our kids that we didn't have. We didn't have that positive influence from our parents, you know? And so we're trying to impact our kids that way. And hopefully future generations of our family will see that and that those chains will be gone and they're done. And the legacy of the Allen family can continue to live on through our kids and great grandkids in the future, you know? Amen. Amen. So what do you think is the biggest influence on you, you know, besides you know, literally on Easter Sunday, the day of resurrection, man, you know, you, you're giving yourself to the Lord. What is the biggest influence on your faith today that keeps you moving forward? Because listen, you know, just like, you know, in scripture, it says, you know, you know, to be, be in the world, but not of it. And, and, you know, we just get inundated with so much negativity and so much stuff that gets pushed and pulled and stuff. You know, how is it that, 
you keep your, your faith grounded? And what is it that keeps your faith grounded to keep you moving forward? It's a couple of things. I think my, my wife is an awesome encourager. She's an amazing wife who always, she's a real, like if I'm doing something that's just stupid or not going to, you know, not going to be a positive impact or my, you know, but my ego gets to me or something like that. She, she'll tell me. Right. And I love that about her because it keeps me level. And so she is an amazing uh, prayer woman. She's a great encourager. And I also feel like routines are really important. So if you can get a morning routine, like for me, I wake up at 4 a.m. six days a week, get up, and the first thing I do is hit my knees. And I have to pray, and it really sets the tone for the day. And I really spend that time with God saying, you know, putting everything that's that I'm stressed about or everything that's on my plate right now, and I put it at his feet, and I say, Lord, I want your will to be done. Lead me, guide me, speak to me, show me, reveal to me, whatever it is. And help me just have an awesome day, keep my family safe and healthy. And, and really that I think sets the tone for the day. And that's what really kind of helps me keep on this walk. You know, I also think it's connecting with people that are where you want to be. Right. right. So I am part of a men's group. I'm very, very blessed to be part of this men's group. It actually starts on the 28th of this month, but we've met once. There's going to be eight of us studying every other week, really going right now through the book of Philippians together. And we're reading a couple of books together. Um, one of them being called Uprising. and I love being just connected with those guys. And I'm really excited because in August we're renting a 42 foot catamaran and we're going to go sail the San Juan islands together. And I'm really, really pumped about that. I've never done, never been sailing, but I feel like, you know, just over the summer and getting to know those guys more. I think that just keeps me level headed, just connecting with people that are where I want to be. Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and you definitely have to, you know, my pastor in my church, he tells us, you know, you know, get out of rows and get into circles, you know, and yeah. you have to, and you have to keep your circle tight. You know, I tell people all this all the time that no matter what, man, you, your circle has to be tight because it's not everybody out there wants to do or has your best intentions at heart. And yep. you have to be guarded with that because, mm-hmm. you know, God's going to put you pe- put people in your life to help you out, but it may just be for a season. It may be for a lifetime, but also, you know, Satan knows just, he knows scripture just as well as everybody else. And he's going to throw people in there to try to trip you up and get you, you know, to, to steer away from that and get you out of that circle. So, yep. you know, what do you tell guys, you know, when they're, when they're feeling down, when they've gone through that, where they feel that they're completely broken, you know, what do you tell them? Because, you know, like we were just talking earlier today is the 13th, you know, and you guys are probably going to, li- obviously going to listen to this afterwards, but you know, this is the second year anniversary of my divorce. You know, so, and it, the two, this two years has been the biggest tumultuous times of my life. So what do you tell people, like say myself, you know, how you can really just keep your circle tight. And even when you feel like your world is just completely falling in on yourself, how do you keep moving forward? You know, I I think it, it's what you feed yourself, whether that's audibly, visibly, whatever, and so I'm a big proponent on listening to podcasts. I'm a big proponent in, in reading books. And I think if you could surround yourself with books, like when I first came out to Christ, that first month after that, I remember I was so hungry to learn about the Lord and what he has done for me. I think I read 15, 16 books in that first month. I mean, I was reading massively amount of books just to try to put myself in a state of mind that was out of what I was previously. And I think for men that are struggling, I think the best way to do it is number one, pray, but number two, like get in touch with people that you want to be at. If there's somebody at your church or if there's a leader online that has an amazing podcast or does videos that are full of positivity, listen to them. 
Like I'm a big fan of Ed Milet and Tony Robbins. Those guys, I've never met Tony Robbins. I've had the pleasure of having Ed Milet on my show, but, wow. and when I talk to him, you know, he's an amazing man, but I first heard his podcast for about a year. I, once I caught wind of it, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy, he's bringing on amazing guests. This guy is impactful. I'm going to start listening to him. And I like went on a, a, not a rampage, but went on this like season or this time where I was just going to soak up as many episodes as I could of Ed Milet. And I did that. And then being able to talk to him in person or via Skype was mind blowing, life changing for me. And so I think it's about surrounding yourself with people that where you want to be. Ed talks about, look, if you're walking around at 80 degrees, don't mm-hmm. go hang around guys who are, who are 60 degrees, hang right. around guys who are 120 yeah. and they'll lift you up. Yeah. Right. I mean, go surround yourself with people who are full of positivity, get away from that negativity. And I think that will get you out of that rut. The more that you do it, the more it'll be comfortable. It's going to suck at first, but man, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, I really do like the point that you make, man, about, you know, Hey, you have to have that grit, you know, you have to have that grit, man. Cause if you don't have that grit, you know, it, it, even though it sucks at first, you know, we have a saying in the military, you know, you got to embrace the suck. Yeah. And, you know, and you do, because there's times where, you know, you're going to be deployed to some austere location and it sucks, <laughs> you know, where, you know, my, my very first deployment in 2004, you know, we were part, you, you, our jets were located on literally the other side of the base, which was like a mile and a half away. It took us just 20 minutes just by bus just to get there because of where it was situated on the base. And you're like, oh, it's a mile and a half, but you have to go through all these different things. So your day starts, you you know, your 12 hour day in the Middle East, in the desert, in the summertime, it's already triple digits, but it goes from 12 hours to 14, 15 hours. And you do that six days a week. You know, it sucks, man. It sucks, you know, and dealing with that stuff. So, you know, you got to embrace the suck sometimes and and, and not sometimes, but all the time, because once you embrace something, you really learn how to break it down because once you're starting to reject it, kind of pushing it away, you're rejecting not only the lesson that is being taught, but you're also rejecting like how you feel and what's going on. And so you can't understand that anymore. And you're just kind of building up this wall and then you're just forget about it. And so, you know, that's really important. You know, what you said, you know, having that grit to push through, to continue to push through, you know, that's just an amazing way of looking at things. Yeah. you know, what's one of the biggest things that you feel that you had to push through and like, you know, the time where you're like, yeah, man, this, I'm done. I'm, I'm so done. You know, I don't want to do this anymore. What, you know, tell us a little bit about that. First of all, thank you for your service. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the, the, there was a moment when I was working in the music business, which was always my dream to be in the music business. I got laid off after one year and this was during Napster. When Napster went down, it killed oh, the music yeah. industry, man. <laughs> and people didn't realize it. It affected the, the record labels themselves. And I was part of Universal Records out in Seattle and our office went from 16 people to eight. And we went from 3,200 square foot office to, to about a 1,200 square foot office. I was the low man on the totem pole. I was just a mailroom guy. So of course I was going to get let go. But uh it was a great experience. But I remember there was a moment where I was at one of these concerts right before I got laid off. And I remember I, this is, I was probably 22 at the time. And I remember seeing someone who was maybe close to 40 years old, working as a music rep, going around to concerts. And, and she was saying that she hadn't seen her kids in several days because she was on this kind of mini tour with this band. 
And it was in that moment where I said, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I have to find something that gets me connected to family, gets me out of this situation. Because I was already drinking on a nightly basis multiple times, you know, during the week, heavily. And, you know, and so when that, when I heard her say that, something in me was like, dude, this is not for you. This is not what God has planned for you. And it was that moment that I kind of realized that, okay, I got to figure stuff out. I got to start working my way out of this. And it slowly happened. And, and I met that girl at Starbucks. And of course, now she's my wife. But it was that time when I got laid off where I was feeling depressed. I was in my apartment by myself for a long time, didn't have any friends. And then I met that girl and, and everything changed. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know what? It, it, again, you know, being two years divorced, man, you know, that's something that, you know, I look forward to and, and one day to be able to share my life and, and how God came into my life and, and really, you know, built that up. So, you yeah. know, that, that's, it's, it's a huge moment, you know, cause God doesn't want you to be alone, but right. you, you also can't just settle and you can't sit there and say, you know, and, and be so vain and picky really, you know, you, you got to look what's in the person's heart and their character. And I think that's really what's lacking a lot, you know, especially as Christians, we, we tend to think, you know, we want to think of a kingdom minded way and we think of godly way, but we tend to think of more in a worldly way because we don't want to hurt other people's feelings right. and stuff. And, and we really don't want to look at, we don't look at the way God would look at us. You know, we can be a billionaires and, you know, build billions of houses and do all this other stuff. But if we're, if we don't have that kind heart, if we don't have that, that character, that kingdom character, really, you know, we're not going to earn our place, you know, in, in the kingdom yeah. of heaven. So, you know, that's truly, you know, big time. That's that what you got to do, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think that, I think that people have this idea that if you have a bunch of money, you're going to be happy or people have this idea that if you have huge houses or materialistic things that you'll be happy. And there's one thing that if you're not happy poor, you're sure as heck not going to be happy rich. That's you got to be happy. Man. Right. Yeah, and so you've got to get to a point in your life where if you're a believer in Christ and you have that super strong relationship with him and everybody's a sinner. So there's days where I feel like I'm not connected to God, where I, you know, did something stupid and, and I really have to just go to my knees and pray at that moment. But, you know, I think if, if you're feeling that like unhappiness, you've got to find that relationship with God. You've got to go out and, and find some people in your church or find other men that are where you want to be and go connect with them. Amen. Amen. So let's talk about a little about your other podcast, your Bearded yeah. Biz podcast, man. Yeah. See, I got you. You got the whole big man beard going, man. Come I'm, on. You know, Idaho and stuff like that. It's totally awesome, man. Yeah. So, you know, so tell us a little bit about that show, man, because I know you said there's a, a contest going on right now with the show, right? Or yeah. Yeah. So I, that's why I, I started the podcast because I would never have to shave my beard as long as I had the beard of biz show. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, um, yeah, so the beard of biz, man, I started it because I love talking to MMA guys, right? I'm very passionate about talking with MMA fighters, but I'm even more passionate about hearing people's stories. And so I wanted to start this other podcast where I had no limitations, where I could talk to anybody and everybody that was that I could that was just doing something that was impactful to the world or being successful. And so when I started this thing in January, I think of 2019, that was the idea. Let's just go find some people who want to uh, kick butt, who are out there kicking butt, and go get them on the show and find out what happened. And yeah. so, yeah, man, that's that's how the show started. Right now, humbly, I'm actually in the top five. Uh, somebody had 
nominated me for the best of North Idaho entrepreneurs a couple of weeks back. And I said, Oh, cool. You know, well then I just found out this week that I'm in the actual, the top five and the final drawing is on the 16th of February. I don't know where the lead is right now between me and the other four, but yeah. And the top five entrepreneurs for all of North Idaho, which is pretty cool. I feel pretty good about that. And, and hopefully we can win this thing and get some more recognition for top rate of May and bearded biz and, and just what we're doing for the community out here. Yeah, definitely. You know, we're going to share that. We're going to share that, that, uh, you know, that link also. So, you know, the truck go out there and you go ahead and vote for him, man. Cause this is a great, great guy, man. And then definitely got to be lifting up our brothers in Christ, man. Definitely got to be doing that. So, you know, when, when, as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, you, you, you wake up in the morning, you got to go do your stuff, man. And, and you got your routine and stuff, but as an entrepreneur, how did, you know, how did faith shape your vision as an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. I think that it shapes it in a lot of ways. Cause I think before I became a Christian, I had shiny object syndrome, right? So it was like, whatever I could do, Oh, I'm going to retire by the time I'm 28 years old. If I go tell a bunch of people that this, you know, network marketing thing works, or if I go sell this internet service, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 27, you know, or something like that. And I did that. I, I, every thing that I could throw money at to try to make it happen fast, I lost money on. And I think that's part of why I was 21 years old being $28,000 in debt, where I was just like, whatever I can get my hands on, I don't want to work for a living. I want to go do the easy route. And it's not that way. Even the millionaires that are real millionaires, they had to work hard for their money. And right. not that network marketing doesn't work because it does. I believe that, that, and I believe that people are sincere in that. There's also a lot of people that out there that are not sincere in that. But yeah. I, I fell into this side of things where it was just like, oh, I can pay this much money and then quote unquote, make a bunch more and it never happened. And so I, I, I didn't stick to it. I didn't stick to certain things. I was very wasteful with my money. And I think once I became a Christian, I was very much like, okay, I'm going to think about this. I'm going to pray about this. Is this what I really want to do? Is this something that's legit? And I, sometimes I still get that. I'm like, Ooh, that looks cool. But what I've been able to do is then turn that, like my thought of like, Ooh, that's awesome to know. Let's focus on this one thing that's doing really well for us, which is top rate and the beard of biz show. And then some of the marketing programs that we work with, you know, I work with different brands and things like that. And so that's how we generate money to put on the show in the first place. And so I think just having that Christ vision have, you know, trying to, uh, once I was saved, I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this the right way. And we're not going to try to have this shiny, uh, you know, object syndrome. And we're going to, we're going to do this for the Lord and, and make this work, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, again, how do you translate that with, you know, with your family? Because, you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, a lot of people don't understand things about people being an entrepreneur that I, it's either one, you're either really, really successful or you're not, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but the whole goal about being an entrepreneur, being in business for yourself is that you want more time with your family. Cause that's really important. That's, you know, when you go get a job, I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with getting a nine to five or working for a company or what have you. But, you know, I know me being in the, was in the military for 17 years is that, you know, there was moments that I'm never going to get back. Mm -hmm. There are days that I'm never going to get back, you know, and seeing things like that. So what was the driving force about behind you being an entrepreneur? And how does that relate to your family and the lessons that your family are learning by you being an entrepreneur? That's a great question, because I think a lot of people will, will trade off. I want to be an entrepreneur, so my family's going to have to suffer through this until I get successful. You know, I work full-time. I'm blessed to be able to work full-time for my house. And so 
I actually wake up, like I said, at 4 a.m. six days a week. And there's that window in the morning when I wake up before 6 a.m. that I'm in here, I'm studying my website, I'm studying how I can improve things for my website. I'm reaching out to guests to book on my show. I'm editing websites. I am promoting everything that I can in that couple hours of window. And then about 7.30ish, I turn over and I work on my work computer. But during that time, I'm able to wake up, I make my kids lunch. You know, I, I'm able to see my kids before they go to school. I'm, I'm here when they get home. And so if I wake up early, it allows me to work on my entrepreneur, work on my businesses. And then when I'm done with work, I'm done. I literally try to put the phone away. I try to put the iPad away and I don't think about work and I'm able to spend time with my family, be present with my family. And here's the thing. People always say, well, why do you wake up so early? You don't get enough sleep. But here's the thing is my desire to be a world changer is bigger than my desire to sleep. And so I'd rather get up early and make that happen in the, in the early morning. And then someday God will open up the door where I can do it full time. But right now it's just work, 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 get that time in the morning and I'll sleep later, but it's not a big deal, you know, cause I get to see my family afterwards. And so that's, that's kind of my, my drive is get up in the morning, make it happen while everybody's still sleeping. And then when they wake up after, after school, then it's family time. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I, I, so what's your prayer for your family that when, you know, your kids see you, you know, being this entrepreneur, being successful, but also seeing the hard times and the rough times, having to, you know, have that grit. What's your prayer for your kids to the, the lesson that they learn from all this? I think it's determination and, and, and really just praying uh, that they see that I'm working hard. And I think they do. It's funny because they don't realize that I don't work for just top rated MMA. And mm -hmm. so, you know, when I'm, when I see them, they're like, Oh, you have top rated MMA work today. Or if they see friends like my dad worked for top rated MMA, which is cool, right. but it's not exactly my full-time job, but it's funny that they see that, you know, and uh, even on Sunday mornings, like, like over the weekends, you know, when I'm up early, they'll get up and then they'll come see me in the office and I'm working on it. They, they see me working. And so they're both very entrepreneur sort of minded. My daughter's like, Oh, I want to put up a lemonade stand so we can go take all this money and give it to the poor. Or we can go use it towards a house or whatever, you know? And so, um, I think they see my hard work and then they want to do it themselves. And it, it's really just being an example. They know that when I wake up, they see me do prayer. They see me spend that quiet time and they too want to do that as well. That's it's incredible to be able to do that, man, because you know, you have to be that example. You have to set that example. Yep. You know, again, when I was, you know, you know, leading my men, you know, and, and my, my airmen and stuff, I would say, Hey man, I'm not going to send you out on a job or make you tell you to do something that I never did myself a thousand times over, right. you know, and the same thing with my kids, you know, Hey, I, they see me doing the dishes. They see me doing the menial stuff. They see me throwing out the trash. They see me cleaning up and stuff like that. So that way they can have that say, okay, all right, awesome. You know, that's, dad's doing this. And so when I tell them, Hey, you need to do this. It's not that, Hey, dad's just doing this just to do it. You know, yep. they see me doing things like this and they see me reading in the Bible or they see me just reading a book, you know, cause I'm a voracious, I love to read and uh, you know, I love that information. And so, you know, they, it, I, my prayer is again, that they see that they can see that determination. They can see that, Hey man, we're, we're in this rut, but you know what? We're, we're, there, there's a light at the end of that tunnel and, you know, and plus, you know, that faith that have that faith, you know, yeah. everything. So, you know, as we close out, man, so I, I, I've been asking people this a lot because, you know, we're in the new decade, obviously we're in the new year and stuff. What's your prayer for, you know, for just, you know, your community and for yourself here in the roaring twenties, I like to call it the roaring twenties that we're in, you know, what's your prayer? What, what is it your goal is to 
really impart on your community, but, you know, especially through your faith? You know, it, it's interesting because I've been asked this question a few times lately, and I think even as Christians, and sometimes Christians can sometimes be the worst critics, and, and in my opinion, I think we just need to love on people wherever they're at. We just love them where they're at. I don't care if, you know, yeah, I might have different beliefs politically or different beliefs sexually if they want to be gay or whatnot. I don't have an issue with that. It's not my problem. It's not my, I'm not the judge. And I think a lot of times that Christians have to stop judging people and we just need to love on people, man. And so my prayer is that we just love on people, love them where they're at and God will do his thing. You know, I think that people don't have enough faith in God sometimes where they're like, I'm going to judge that guy for doing that or for liking the Democrat or liking the Republican or whatever, right? right? right. It's not my type of judge. It's not my job. But my job is to love on people. You know, God calls us to love, man. And so I just, I think that my prayer for 2020 is that people would just start loving on people, man. And it just love people where they're at no matter what they believe in. And God will do the rest, man. Amen. I, I agree, man, because, you know, especially, you know, when we look at think of it and things in the political climate, you know, how, you know, visceral it, it really can get. Yeah. And just, it, it just becomes so where you're no longer appreciated for your opinion. And they, they automatically, you know, think of your opinion as who you are. And that's not right. You know, especially yeah. us as Christians, we, we, we do tend to do the same thing at times when we don't think of people doing the godly thing right. and, and the Christian thing. And, and where we looking at things saying, Hey, you know what? Maybe we just want to look in that person's heart, see what that yeah. person's heart is. So see what that person's all about because, and have a conversation with them, you know, and have right. a conversation with them to learn more about them because that's, that's what it's all about, man. I mean, that's what Christ did. He went out there and he had conversations and he spoke the word, but he sat there with people and he listened to them and he spoke with them. And I think that's, you know, that's important. And, and I'm glad that you're being, you're being able to do that. And, you know, you being able to do that on your platform, which is incredible, man. So, you know what, dude, Eric, thank you so much, man. Thank you for everything that you do. I really appreciate you, man. And thank you for coming on and sharing your story, man. And, and I'm, I'm praying that, you know, you can be blessed and, and you bless so many other people with your story, man. So thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, man. It really, truly is an honor. I really appreciate the opportunity to come out and, and share my story. And, and uh, hopefully uh, if anybody out there wants to connect with me, feel free to reach out on social media and we'll make it happen. Yeah. So tell everybody how to contact you. Tell everybody when to listen in on your podcast, man, because we got to get this going, man. We got to get some audience out there, man. Get some, get them out there. Come on. Yeah. So every Friday I release a brand new episode of the Bearded Biz and every Saturday I release a brand new episode of the Top Rated May. So we are busy and you can follow us on Facebook at Top Rated Mixed Martial Arts and then Bearded Biz on Instagram. It's bearded.biz and then Top Rated May is on Instagram and Twitter. My personal account is on Instagram. It's just Eric, E-R-I-K-G like Glenn and then Alan. So Eric G. Allen on Instagram and Twitter. I love connecting with new people. I love hearing people's stories and uh, just love being able to connect with other podcasters like yourself, man. And so I uh, would love just people to go out, subscribe to us, follow us. I'm, I'm, we're on YouTube. So subscribe to our channel. And uh, man, we just, like I said, we're just trying to bring the, the amazing stories, amazing guests out there and push that out to people just to inspire, motivate folks. Amen. Amen. Guys, and you know what? If you guys can't find them, go ahead and find them on my Instagram. We're going to be connected there. And I'm definitely going to have all the notes and the links in the show notes here. So again, Eric, thank you again. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming on, taking the time out, man. And, uh, you know, I look forward to having you back on again in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate you. And guys, remember, go ahead and check this out. And also check out Eric on 
Wrestling with Fatherhood podcast with my boy Matt Woodrum. I'm also a guest co-host on there every now and again. But Eric is an awesome dude. He is his his episode is going to be dropping soon. So go ahead and check that out. Again, it's Wrestling with Fatherhood with Matt Woodrum. Go ahead and like and subscribe that show also. It's an incredible, incredible show, especially for you dads out there. You know, we got to do that stuff. So especially more man stuff. So guys, again, as always, be blessed. But most importantly, be a blessing. All right. Until next time, guys, talk to you soon. 